As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. Larry D. returns once again to ease the sadness of a long offseason with our very first opponent preview show of the year, kicking things off with our same place opponents, starting with the San Francisco 49ers. Will their new coach be the one that sticks, or will their coaching carousel continue? All of this and so much more on part one of the same place opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. As much as I hate this time of year, I love it all at the same time because it allows me to introduce you to our opponents and some some great new friends all at the same time. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back for the same place opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. This is part one. Part two will be next week when we talk to Brandon Lee Gouton from Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation about the Philadelphia Eagles. But... We kick things off, and I guess you can say this is our ladies' first episode. Tracy Sandler, Steph McCarroll from uh, Talking Touchdowns, the podcast for the um, Fangirl Sports Network that uh, Tracy and uh, Steph are both a part of. Um, we talk about that a little bit at the beginning of the interview before we dive into the 49ers. And yes, yes, we do talk briefly about, and I'm putting up air quotes the trade we do mention the trade uh we talk about that for a few moments and you, you know it's bad when the people that are actually part of fleecing you in that trade try to make you feel better about it you hear steph make a valiant effort uh to try to make us feel better about this trade i know some of you are absolutely thrilled that we got a quarterback that we got mr trubisky um like i said before my issue was never with the quarterback or the actual player himself more about the position he plays and the the draft capital that we gave up in order to acquire him if the bears wanted him that bad we could have gotten him at three i think that's pretty obvious uh by now and we could have used those draft picks uh for this year and the you know uh, giving up a valuable third for next season as well so i've beaten that into the ground so uh we'll beat into the ground a little bit more when we talk to tracy and staff a little bit um later on Uh, Not much going on in the world of the Chicago Bears as far as news and notes are concerned. A couple of interesting things going on. The Bears are in OTAs uh, this week. And even though he's not physically participating uh, right now, Kyle Long um, saw a headline of his about the Bears possibly moving him along the offensive line once again. And basically what it said was that uh, he and Josh Sitton might be switching spots on the offensive line uh, Sitton played more more time at uh, right guard in Green Bay than he did um, on the left side. Uh, he was our left guard last season, so they're thinking that um, 
you know, usually the rule of thumb is you have your better run blockers on the right side. You have your more athletic guys uh, on the left. And I think that's definitely a perfect way of describing those two that, you know, Kyle Long is a physical uh, freak of nature, uh, even though he's bulking back up to over 300 pounds when he was under 300. So he could be a little bit lighter to play tackle. Um, he is probably the more athletic uh, of the two and uh, would be, probably be better served to play on the left side. He did play a little bit of left guard uh, in college at Oregon, and Sitton was an all-pro guard on the right side for the Green Bay Packers, so it might be a better fit. Um, so keep an eye on that to see where Josh Sitton is lining up uh, during OTAs. If he's lining up on the right side, then the truth could be, uh, you know, then that could be the truth that, uh, you know, Kyle Long, once again, is going to be moving along the offensive line, but staying in the interior at guard, um, instead of uh, moving outside to tackle. So uh, keep an eye on that move. And then, of course, the Bears had their rookie minicamp. Apparently, Mitchell Trubisky was uh, was orgasmic uh, while he was out there. The quarterback actually can throw the football. I don't think that would surprise anybody uh, to hear that. Um, Got to admit, uh, did look good in the uniform. Got to admit, uh, you know, he looks like a quarterback, that's for sure. Uh, the NFLPA had their big, um, I think it was like a top draft choice thing, like first and second round or the top draft choice uh, for each team goes out there and uh, gets dressed up in the uniform for the first time and, uh, you know, basically gets their first football card uh, made of them and their new duds. I think they do it in the Coliseum uh, in Los Angeles. Started seeing a lot of players, uh, a lot of first round picks, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, high value picks. Um even a third rounder like Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington got picked up in the third round by the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Saw him, uh, you know, posing for the first time, catching a ball in the Rams uniform. Trubisky, of course, uh, throwing passes. Everybody's going nuts over this video of Trubisky throwing a football through a tire at the at the NFLPA rookie thing. It's like, okay, he threw a football through a tire. It's a NFL quarterback. I don't see why that's so amazing. You know, it, it looked good in slow motion and everything, but, uh, you know, what would you think of him if he couldn't do it? You know what I mean? So it's like, everybody's like, Hey, the kid can throw. It's like, well, God damn it. I hope so. so. We gave up three draft choices and, you know, passed on, on some high level defensive talent to make this kid the face of the franchise. I hope he can throw a football through a goddamn tire. So, um, you know, but uh, the Bears are full-on in OTAs uh, this week. And like I said, Kyle Long not participating, still recovering from ankle and shoulder surgery that he had uh, during the uh, during the offseason. So uh, Zach Miller also not 100% yet from the ankle surgery or the foot surgery that he had, uh, the injury that he suffered last, last season uh, against the Giants. And some rumor that uh, Danny Trevathan may not be ready to go with that uh, torn patellar tendon or ruptured, I should say ruptured patellar tendon um, against the, was it the Titans last year? It was later on in the year, a lot later than we would have wanted it to be. That's for sure. Uh, getting hurt uh, in that football game. He might not be ready to go uh, in training camp. So no talk of him being on the pup list to start the year, but definitely saying he might not be 100% to go uh, when training camp uh, begins. So I don't think he'll be a pup list guy where he's got to miss the first six games, but he might be slow to come along because he's got some catching up to do. Everybody's going to be football ready and he's still trying to catch up. But uh, Kwiatkowski, our fourth round pick last year, filled in for him when he was hurt, did, did a great job 
you know, filling in. So I don't think that we'll be, uh, you know, we'll have too much of a drop off. And of course, Jarrell Freeman uh, is healthy uh, as well. So I think we'll be okay while we wait for Danny Trevathan uh, to uh, come around. So other than that, like I said, not really much going on in Bear World right now. And uh, like I said, they're they're in OTAs and, you know, really getting their first look as that the team as a whole. They had their rookie camp last week or the week before. And, um, you know, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what kind of stories come out of OTAs uh, this week and uh, what excitement, uh, what excitement it may, that it may hold. And, uh, you know, but speaking of excitement, I'm excited to get these opponent preview episodes started. Like I said, we had, we had Tracy and Steph on um, just a little while ago. I was talking to them. Uh, we talked about the 49ers their their off season. We stayed away from Colin Kaepernick. Um, I kind of gauged on caged them on that before uh, we started recording. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't want to go there. So we just left Colin Kaepernick alone. <laughs> uh, talked a bit about the 2016 season, and you know we had very similar records: two and 14, three and 13. Asked them questions like, you know, what what is it that you look forward to? Or what bright spot did you have to hang on to in a 2-14 and 14 season? You know, I mentioned how we as Bear fans, we had, you know, the joy of watching Jordan Howard be the second leading rusher in all of football last year. The bright spot of seeing Leonard Floyd do his thing when he could stay healthy, of course. Uh, and, you know, any of the other young guys making their mark on the team. Cody Whitehair playing like a stud in, you know, when never having played center uh, before and, and being basically a Pro Bowl center last year. So, uh um, you know, things like that that we ha- had to hold on to. What did they as 49er fans have to hang on to in a 2-14 and 14 safe season that they suffered through uh, last year? That and so much more. So um, to hell with it. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right in. It's me, Tracy, and Steph talking 49ers for 2017. And as we begin that that low period of the offseason, that time between the draft and the beginning of training camp, that very sad couple of months for us football fans, we like to fill this time previewing the opponents of our beloved Chicago Bears. And we start with our same place opponents and... We go with the San Francisco 49ers, the third year in a row the Bears are going to be playing the 49ers, and to help me preview this football team from San Francisco, I have Tracy Sandler and Steph McCarroll from the 49er Fangirl Podcast. That's right, isn't it? Uh, Yes, well, the Talking Touchdowns Podcast on Fangirl Ah, Sports Network. There we go. I knew I was forgetting something. All right. (laughs) So, ladies, thanks so much uh, for, for joining me, and... Um, you guys are new to the show and with all of our new guests, we like to cover a couple of things. Uh, the first thing being, where are you from? Cause that always tends to be a fun answer. You, most people don't actually live in the market of the team they're supporting. How long have you been a fan and do you have a favorite 49er moment? So whichever one of you wants to go first, go ahead and dive right in. I am definitely from the Bay area. Okay. Um, I have been, a 
49ers fan my entire life. My parents shared season tickets with my aunt, and I don't even remember my very first 49ers uh, um, game. In fact, like there's a picture of me sitting on my mom's lap, and I'm sunburned, and <laughs> it's like crazy, but... I have this, like, big foam finger on my hand. But, you know, as the years went on and on and on, um, it was a good and really part of my, I don't know, my sports heritage is the 49ers. So, yeah, I grew up at Candlestick Park mm. and very, you know, I loved them so much. And, of course, um, without, like, discussing all this <laughs> how old I am, um they were really a big part of my life and my sports fandom and there were so much good things to come from them my favorite part of being a 49ers fan has to be when um uh steve young took it it was against the minnesota vikings oh yeah and we were at the game and it was really crazy because by all means he should have went down several times but for some reason he broke through several tackles Mm -hmm. and another tackle and another tackle and another tackle and I remember that being the moment where I literally cried for the 49ers in happiness and I think that was definitely my favorite yeah the only thing better than that run is listening to the guy on the radio calling that run he was (laughs) literally losing his mind you see that on NFL films that is a that is a classic football moment, not just a classic 49er moment. Tracy, how about you? Well, I am originally from Los Angeles, California, and I live in Los Angeles now, even though I now um, spend so much time in Santa Clara um, covering the 49ers that I call myself bi-statal because <laughs> I, I, mean, I feel like sometimes I feel like I live in both. Um, I became a 49ers fan as a very little girl. I fell in love with Joe Montana. Um, I was at the NAC championship game between the Rams and the 49ers uh, with my family, who were all Rams fans. Uh, and I went to the game indifferent. It was the game where Jim Everett after that was really never the same. Right. And somewhere in the second quarter, I turned to my mom and I said, I love Joe Montana. Um, and that was it. I was a diehard 49ers fan from that point forward. And I think the next day I announced to my family that I would one day be the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and I just loved them from that moment on. But I think, um, and it's, it's been just forever. Uh, but I think actually my favorite 49ers moment also involves Steve Young, but it was winning um, a Super Bowl in 1995 because as much as I loved Joe Montana, I became became probably an even bigger Steve Young fan. And to see him win the Super Bowl made me so happy. Um, so I think that is probably one of my favorite Fortnite's moments. And I can still see the cover of the San Francisco Chronicle with Steve Young hugging Eddie DiBartolo. Mm-hmm. And the happiness on his face. Like I can see the whole thing with that brown hat with the maroon bill and... It's just such a great photo and such happiness. And so I think that probably is um, – I have a lot of favorite 49ers moments, but I would say that would be one of my, one of my favorite 49ers moments. Um, I can tell you a, a funny, sad 49ers moment if okay. you're interested. Uh, but um, the day after my bot miss, so it was the NFC Championship game against the Giants. Mm-hmm. And 
I huh? mine I, too. Really? That, yes. That's a sad moment. And Roger Craig. Um, I had um, we had a lot of friends in town from New York, and I had spent the entire weekend thanking them for coming, but telling them how the 49ers would cream the Giants the next day. And I watched that game with all those people, and I cried for three solid hours. I could not be consoled. Uh, like three solid hours, I could not stop crying. And I later saw Roger Craig on an airplane. I almost started to cry again. That's the one where uh, where Leonard Marshall separated Joe Montana from his body, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. that was. Jeff yeah. Hostetler was playing in, in Bill Sims. Right. Uh, and inconsolable, just could not stop crying, and literally did see him on a plane three years later, four years later, and almost started to cry just looking at him. Um, <laughs> so that was my saddest 49ers moment. Well, you know, Roger Roger Craig is actually originally from the area that I live in right now. Oh, really? He's from the he's from Davenport, Iowa. That's where I'm. That's where I live right now. I'm originally from the north side of Chicago. He went to Davenport Central High School, which is about five minutes from where I'm sitting right now. Okay. So he's a legend around here because the the casino uh, on. Say again. Did you cry when Did you cry when he humbled? I can't say that I did because at that point I was sick of the 49ers. So, you know, I, I was still I was still aching over them over the 49ers coming into frigid Soldier Field in '88 and beating us like 28 to three to go to the Super Bowl against the Bengals. Um, so, watching them lose an NFC Championship game instead of beating us in another one was um, not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So, you know. Yeah, I can't say that I did. I mean, I wasn't happy to see Montana go down, but I was happy to see the 49ers lose for a change. That would have been the three peat if they'd have gone. Yeah, that was. He broke a lot more than his hand. He was he was out for a while after that. So, um, it was it was rough. It was, and then when they lost the Super Bowl um, in New Orleans, the Ravens, many years Mm, later, I think my dad describes it. I was equally inconsolable, but had learned how to control my emotions. <laughs> but he said that he said it was, he said, I don't know. It was a little touch and go touch <laughs> so, and go. That's a little touch and go. We all, cried. we all cried together. My family, we all cried. <laughs> so before we dive into the rest of the 49ers, how, how did this, uh, the fangirl network gets, get started. I was reading about this on, on the website when I was, when I was uh, looking into you, uh, guys, but I, I'm surprised that you know I mean, th- that it's not bigger. For to be to be honest with you, how long has this been going on? Well, it's only been going on two seasons. Okay. Um, so actually, next season will be significantly bigger than it is now. But I started it uh, in the 2015 season as 49ers Fangirl, mm-hmm. um, and then after that season, decided to expand um, a little bit. So I expanded with the Rams Fangirl. Uh, in the fall, and then just launched Warriors Fangirl, which Steph is our Warriors Fangirl, and Clippers Fangirl for the playoffs. Yes, woohoo! Yay, Warriors! Dub Nation um, for the playoffs. And then we will have uh, significantly more NFL girls this coming fall. Well, if you find a Bears fangirl, I'm single, so I would be all about that. So just, <laughs> just, just, just give me a heads up, all right? I'd appreciate it. So, well, it's funny you said I did a five-month oh, no. fax with Pierre Garcon um, 
right after he signed with the 49ers. Uh-huh. And uh, I did a video with him in the locker room. And his fifth fun fact is that he is single. <laughs> uh, so I, the Fangirl Sports Network is apparently has multiple facets to it. Sure. It's also a dating website. <laughs> and, dating yeah, website. Absolutely. Cover sports. I mean, it's a great thing. But that is that is how it started. Um in the beginning of the 2015 season. All right, fantastic. So let's talk about these 49ers. Last year, another ugly season. Uh, Chip Kelly was hired. Uh, personally, I never thought that was a good idea, just to be honest with you. Um, you guys start 1-0. Second year in a row on Monday Night Football, you dominate your opponent to start 1-0, and then everything yeah. pretty much goes off the rails uh, after that. You're, you're 0-14 against the rest of the league, but you're 2-0. Uh, against the uh, against the LA Rams, um, you know I went three and thirteen last year, so I can empathize with what a long season that can be. Well, what is it? You know, what was it like going two and fourteen, watching your team play, knowing that most 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 Sundays they're going to lose? Well, eventually you get kind of numb to it, right? That's true. <laughs> to yeah. be honest, um, I mean that I think that for me at least that's kind of how I started to feel. Um, I think it becomes increasingly difficult to cover a team, as you well know. Oh yeah. Um, who week after week is just terrible. There were some parts in the season. There was the Arizona game in Arizona. I believe it was November thirteenth, uh, that Sunday, where the Forty ers had some fight in them, and they actually almost won that game. And you find yourself excited by an almost win, right? <laughs> because it felt like they didn't give up, and they had they had some fight, and it was exciting. But um, you know, it's it's tough after a while. It, it's it's very very hard because you start to feel like, do you care more than the team? Even though, of course, you don't. Right. Um, but it's um it's difficult. And I think what was so bad and difficult to watch for the Forty ers is any lack of improvement as the season went on. And I, Steph and I talked about this on our podcast a lot. Is that this was not a talented roster by any means, but you would have thought at some point during the season, the season went on, you would start to see some at least signs of improvement, some bright spots for the future. And there were players who had some bright spots for the future. DeForest Buckner had some potential bright spots. Richard Robinson had some potential bright spots. And Jimmy Ward had a couple of potential bright spots. But you know, Jeremy Curley. But the team as a whole, some weeks looked worse than the week before. And I think that what was was what was hard to watch and discouraging as a fan. And I believe this year they may not win a ton of games, but I think we're going to see a very different team. And I think we're going to see a team that's in games more often than right. the team last year. So what was it that you did have to cling on to? Like, for example, uh, as a Bears fan, um, knowing that more times than not, my beloved, we're not going to come out ahead on Sunday, but we did have rookie running back Jordan Howard who finished second in the league in rushing, and he didn't even start until the fourth week of the season. One can only imagine what he could have done had he been the starter from the beginning. So watching him play was kind of the reason that you got up on Sunday to watch him play, even though you thought they were going to lose. Watching some of the young guys like Leonard Floyd, our first-round pick, do what he did uh, last year. What was there for the 49er fans to hang on to despite a 2-14 and season? <laughs> um it wasn't easy. It was it was hard. I mean, to be honest with you, I think we could all, almost point to the fact that how close we were in the past. I mean, not too long ago, 
they had gone to the Super Bowl and gone to three NFC championship games. And yes, some of those players are gone. And that's something that I think all fans had to sort of reconcile. Right. But I think that down deep, we knew that the team could do something. But I think it came from above. I think the 49ers had to figure out where this team was going. And I think what was frustrating for a lot of 49ers fans, including me, was that there was no clear direction. The Everything was just sort of like, okay, we're doing this now. We're going to hire this coach and we're going to do this. But there was no clear direction. Yeah. But what's different now, and I'll say this open-heartedly, is that there is a direction. I mean, with Lynch and Shanahan and them putting aside all the other BS, if you will, they're ready to go forward and they're doing things their way. And as much as I didn't get it before, I get it now because they have a clear direction. And I think that's what fans want. I think fans need that. And I think that's something that the 49ers organization has been lacking. And that's something that we want to see. So for me, I'm like all about it. I'm jumping on the Shanahan train and I'm ready to um, see what they have to do. And the draft was unreal. So Given that, I think um, it shows a lot. It shows that they're really to put everything in and they're ready to do it. So I'm happy about that. And I think in the 49ers, to be honest with you, in, in a lot of ways, it's like the 49ers had to hit rock bottom to get better. In a way, Like I think they had to hit such a low point that the organization had no choice but to make massive changes. Um, so mm. I think that's, I try to look at last year that way, um, that if, you know, I, I did like Chip Kelly, but I think, I think he didn't have the personnel for his system and, and it, and there were a lot of factors that went into him not for this year, mm-hmm. but I think without two and 14, you don't have John Lynch, you don't have Kyle Shanahan, you don't have a clear direction. I mean, really, let's be honest, if this team had won five or six games last year, nothing would have changed. Right. I think the organization could have rationalized, well, we have with this personnel and with these injuries and with this and that, we still won five or six games. And, you know, I think they started, we started to see improvement. So I think really this team had to go through such a low point. I, I think it's unfortunate. I feel like Chip Kelly was a little bit of casualty of war. Um, but that's a whole different discussion probably for another time. But kind of it is what it is um, and, and it didn't work out but I think you kind of needed that to get to where they are today and I don't listen I don't think next year the team is going 10 and 6 and fighting for a wild card spot but I think they could very well go 6 and 10 and at least start to look like a football team um, so I think there's there's that for us to look forward to were you guys surprised at the hiring of Lynch I mean it's probably one of the best kept secrets that I've known of in in recent memory, I didn't even know he was a candidate. Next thing you know, he's uh, not only are they signing him to be the GM, but he and Shanahan are getting matching uh, six-year deals. I mean, this is a guy that, as far as I know, wasn't even grooming himself or thinking about or even talking about being a front office guy. And uh, the last broadcaster that a team pulled off out of the uh, out of the booth and into the front office uh, didn't work out so well. I'm talking about 
Matt Millen for the for the Lions. So were you surprised? I mean, you guys sound like you've bought into what he's doing, but when he got hired, what were your thoughts then? Uh, I was shocked. I'll be honest with you. I, right. I, I mean, I know he was, and an, like, he's definitely a safety that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's definitely someone that I respect and whatever he has to say, I'm going to listen to. But it was just out of nowhere. I mean, these guys in the front offices and they they scout for years and years and years and they put in their time and then they become this kind of scout and this kind of scout and they work for teams and teams and teams and it, it did sound a little off the wall for me and I was shocked. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. But I sort of understand that they were trying to pull it from they didn't want someone from within I mean the 49ers have been doing things a certain way and clearly it's not working so I respect the 49ers grasp for at least being willing willing to like go beyond the lines the red regular you know criticisms and going outside the box and figuring out someone that could work and the fact that they chose him in particular was because they knew that they wanted Shanahan that's big I mean they knew that they wanted someone that would work in tandem with a guy who was going to head coach their team so I do give them a lot of respect for that for doing something that is rarely done in the NFL in, in the NFL it's all about who you know what you've seen they went beyond that and I do respect that I was definitely shocked at first, but by the next day when we had our media conference call with him, I totally got it. We, um, it was like very clear. I mean, he'd had the job for less than 24 hours when we talked to him, and it was very clear that this guy did know what he was doing and that he had a vision. And the other thing that was really clear about John Lynch that I've said a lot, which in my mind is always a sign of someone very successful, is he knows what he knows and he knows what he doesn't. And he surrounds himself with people that make up for what he doesn't know. He doesn't right. pretend to know it all. He doesn't try to do what he is not necessarily, not that he's not qualified to do, but that is not what he has been trained to do or what his skill set is. And that was really clear to, to me after our first call with him, that he really understood that. And I think he's really shown that in his hires um, and just in the way that he conducts himself. So I certainly was shocked like when I first heard about it, but by the time we got off that conference call, I was like, this guy, and he's the right guy. They really hired the right guy for the organization at this moment in time. So now you got your new GM and free agency comes along and you have close to a billion dollars in cap space uh, going into the off season. And you start rattling off. You guys sign like six people. Cause I remember it almost looked like um, it reminded me of like when the Panthers and the Jaguars joined the league and they show the first like half a dozen players that they signed, having all those guys uh, show up together. But you got Pierre Garçon, Malcolm Smith, um, Matt Barkley, and Brian Hoyer, who are familiar to me, obviously. Even Robbie Gold, um, among others. So, you know, you guys go out and you make your free agent splashes, Pierre Garçon being the biggest one. Um, was there a move that you guys liked? Was there a move you guys didn't like? Uh, with the free agency batch that you guys, what, 12 players you guys signed in free agency? Um, I actually, to be honest with you, liked all the moves. Um, and I know that there are some players that people maybe feel like the 49ers overpaid for. 
But I think when we have that much money in free agents in space, I, I, I think it's fine. I think it also remains to be seen if anyone's been overpaid for. Um, but I like the moves because they clearly went after, it kind of goes to what Steph was saying earlier about a clear vision and a plan. They went after guys that are leaders, are good locker room guys who are solid football players, but they went after kind of, again, this this idea of a moment in time, where what the 49ers need at this moment in time. This is not a team that's one or two players away from a Super Bowl. So they really built what they needed offensively. They upgraded the team, and, and they did it with people who, as John Lynch keeps saying, have a lot of football character, guys who are going to be good leaders in the locker room and on the field in terms of their play and how they conduct themselves. And so I, I was happy with, with with what they did. I you know, didn't expect them. If it wasn't Kirk Cousins, I didn't expect them to sign a franchise quarterback. Um, basically, yes, we took the Brers quarterbacking trio minus Jake Cutler, thank <laughs> God. Um, so that was good news. Um, but <laughs> just that just may have... I think that may have done me right in. I'm going to be honest, <laughs> um, but I, I, I feel Steph knows. Steph knows. Um, but I, I think they, I think they did a nice job bolstering the offense in an appropriate way for where the team is right now. If that makes any sense. No, it definitely makes sense to me. I, I kind of wish that the Bears had taken the approach that the. 49ers did. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute as to, you know, we'll, we'll, when we get into the draft, I'll, I'll elaborate on that uh, a bit more. What, what was it you were going to say? I'm sorry, Tracy. I was just going to say my two favorites probably are Pierre Garcon and Kyle Juszczyk because I think um, they bolster the offense and I think they'll continue to bolster the offense for years to come. I think those are those are some more long-term guys. I was just going to say, it's just good to see, if you've grown up with the 49ers like I have, it's really good to see the 49ers actually getting involved in free agency. It seems like for years and years and years, they would just try to homegrown everyone, everything's from the draft, and that's all well and good, but for a long time, I think a lot of fans wanted to see some bigger movement on free agency. I mean, I've been begging and pleading and pleading and pleading for a wide receiver and I yeah. can't get one. <laughs> I like begging. <laughs> I mean begging and I can't get one. So it's like it was good to see some movement. It was good to see that they were involved in free agency because I personally believe that I think the draft is great but if you were a GM you try to get talent from every single place you you can't and some of that is the draft and some of that is free agency and some of that is wherever you can pick it up and and get but I felt the 49ers felt in the past that they could do it all homegrown and I think now it's just a different um feel it's a different vibe it's a different way and I'm really appreciated like I really appreciate that they're willing to go out and get these guys and I think it's an totally necessary because um they need some you know real veteran talent to inspire these guys and create an atmosphere for the 49ers and i think that's something that they have been lacking for 
years. It's something that since a lot of these big names have gone from the 49ers, they need to replace it somehow. Yes, um, I definitely agree. I mean, there's been a lot of turnover uh, with the uh, with the roster. Uh, the Bears are very familiar with that. I was digging through some files on my computer the other day, and I found out where I had typed up um, the 2014 53-man roster. When final cuts were made, this is the 53 that was going into battle week one. Uh, this is three years ago now. There are six guys on that team that are still on, still playing for the Bears. Six out of the 53 that were on that list that are still uh, with the organization. I mean, that was Mark Trestman's last year. 2015 goes Ryan Payson and John Fox from there. Six guys from when they took over are still on the team. So, um, you know, it's it's been uh, it's been uh, interesting having to have a program every Sunday to try to figure out who some of these guys are because we've never seen them before or numbers are on different guys and you're seeing different names on the backs of, uh, di- you know, the numbers that you're uh, familiar with. So it's um, something that uh, sounds like you guys are going to have to get familiar with uh, this year because I think you know, the thing like 40 brand new faces just to be on this team for the 90-man roster you guys have going into OTAs right now. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of, of wait, who's that guy? Yeah. Who's that? <laughs> it was like, wait, number number 17 was was this guy. Who's that? You know, that kind of thing. So it's uh, it'll be uh, interesting to say the least. So all right, let's let's talk about it. Um, draft day comes along, and the Cleveland Browns go ahead and 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 select Miles Garrett. No big surprise. What was that? I just laugh because like what happened to you guys is the kind of thing that would normally happen to the Forty ers We're not normally on the winning end of that, so I'm like I feel bad. For you, but oh, I'm sure I can. I can feel the emotion through the uh, through the <laughs> wires there, and it's you know, it's like just wipe the tears from your face with the with the laughter there. So, here's the the here's what I want to know is before the Bears did what they did as far as making the selection that they did. You know, same as as before when you when you heard that John Lynch was going to be your general manager, you had one reaction. You got to sit down and listen to him and hear what his manifesto was going to be you had a different reaction you're sitting there on draft day you got the number two pick and all of a sudden you give that pick away what was your reaction when that had happened um I didn't have a problem with that I wasn't surprised by that to be honest because I thought there was a good chance that they were going to trade back for more picks anyways um so I didn't find that all that shocking when I heard that they only traded back one pick for the Bears, my assumption was, wow, the Bears really want Solomon Thomas. Yeah. Like that was that was what my assumption was. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Okay, the Bears really want Solomon Thomas. I did I my shock came when the Bears took Trubisky. Your shock. Well, I'm sure your shock <laughs> is much more than my shock. Because my shock is more like they took Trubisky, still getting Solomon Thomas. And the pick next year, and John Lynch is a genius. But your shock was probably different than my shock. <laughs> and and this is what I was talking about a minute ago. I wish the Bears had done what the 49ers were done were are doing, I should say, and basically realize that the spot that they're in right now with the progress of their football team. I envision the Bears to be a team, and they have been historically, that um, kind of like where the Houston Texans are right now. They have the number one defense. They have tons of weapons on the offensive side. They got a good running game, a solid offensive line. 
All they need is a quarterback, and they are ready to go for a championship run. That's what I think the Bears should do, and they are nowhere near that. So making this move and giving up the draft capital that we did, I mean, in the scheme of things, two-thirds and a fourth is not a, you know, not a great train robbery or anything like that, but it's draft capital for a team that's, that wants to build through the draft, giving away valuable, uh, valuable pieces. So, number one, I didn't think we were ready for a young quarterback, and number two, we gave up draft pieces in order to make a move for a player I didn't think that we needed uh, at the moment. And, you know, then number three, the black eye that it's given the Bears – you know, Ryan Pace looks like a fool. John Lynch looks like the genius. And, you know, like he just straight fleeced the Bears, especially when the story started coming out, how the Bears were, um, what were they saying? The Bears were bidding against themselves uh, in the in the trade to move up to number two. So, um, yeah, not a good moment for me. Not at all. I've been thinking, okay, well, so we do want solomon thomas great and that's all that adam schefter was saying that's all the nfl network was saying it's got to be solomon thomas and then everybody freaks out when it's mitchell, mitchell trubisky including me so it just uh, it's a good idea that i didn't have anything in my hands heavy when it happened because i would have gone through windows or something like that but uh so you guys got solomon thomas number three overall a california guy who was happy to stay in california um and then um, you get Reuben Foster. You trade up in the second round. You get Reuben Foster, who was rumored to be who the 49ers would have taken at three had the Bears taken Solomon Thomas, and you're still able to get him at 31. Uh, so that was that was pretty good for you guys as well. It was. And I just going back to what you're saying, I have um, a draft strategy. Granted, I am not a GM, so I personally have never put the strategy into use. But my thinking on the draft is whoever – if you pick a guy one, two, three, four, even like one through ten, that person should be able to contribute something day one. And I think the Bears just made a really bad trade in picking somebody who's not going to be able to contribute. Like they, I just didn't get the point of it. Right. And I felt mm. that way last year with the Rams and Jared Goff. Yep. Um, thought that was a not a a good pick. I don't think I think they could have you know picking Jared Goff later. I never understood the Jared Goff hype as much, um, and Steph couldn't speak to that a lot as a a Calum. Um, but I just feel like if you pick when you're picking one through ten, you're you're on a not great football team who has a lot of needs, and like you should be picking someone that is able to con- contribute something on day one. And so that was like so confusing to me with the Bears that like you're trading kind of a lot of capital. For someone who is not going to contribute day one, someone who may not contribute at all in year one, mm-hmm. um, and so that to me, that's my personal draft strategy. That if I'm ever an NFL GM, I can put into to practice. Um, but Steph, well, go ahead. well, I was going to say in defense of you know the Chicago, I think that there was a lot of components there. I don't think they were totally pleased. I think that they really believed that. And I don't. I'm not sure because I'm clearly I'm not in the phone calls. But I'm saying that they did it for a reason. Clearly, they felt that there were teams that were in the mix, and that could be totally, you know, here nor there. But I do think that that was the quarterback that they felt. And you know, we can be laughing now, but if that is the quarterback that helps. Chicago through the years 
they could be laughing for years. So I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't say it was bad or good. I just think that that's something they wanted to do. And I think that if this, if the bears wanted to go that route, I think that that's what you have to do. But I like the vision. I like that they were like, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. You may have not liked the pick, but who knows how that's going to play out. And I think that there's a lot for us to see. Um, I, I agree with Tracy. Like I was shocked too. I mean, but I think that a lot of people play Solomon Thomas way down into the first round. And I think that he was definitely someone that, you know, obviously I wanted. I thought he was great. I'm not a Stanford fan by any means. <laughs> Go Bears. Um, but, <laughs> but at the same time, like, I could see his value. I could see it how many teams would want him and I wasn't sure what they would do. I was I felt like all 49ers fans wanted Malik Cooker. So I was a little shocked but happy at the same time that they wanted to actually rebuild that defense because that's something that was necessary. I mean it it was bad last year. It was very, very bad. And especially from the you know front seven going that forward I just think that that's something that was necessary so I liked everything that they did no you know there's no problem with what Chicago did they did what they thought was necessary and if he's the quarterback of the future then so be it well you know that is absolutely true and that is what we as Bear fans are clinging to as far as the hope uh, that we have but you know it's bad when your your enemy has to come to your defense to to make you feel better about what your team did, so it's uh, you know, the, the... I just think he could be the quarterback of the future, but he could have been the quarterback of the future later, like at three, without having to give up so much. For sure. So, I... so I think they may have been a little fleeced because I think they believed the hype that the Forty Nineers were really interested in Trubisky. So I think he may be the quarterback of the future, but I guess to what price? You think it was just the 49ers, though? Was this something that they believed based on every other thing that was going on? I think. Wait, wait, what was the I'm I'm saying that you think it was just the 49ers that fleeced them. I think the whole NFL tried to. The whole NFL fleeced them, but they were clearly concerned about. But they were concerned about lose. I mean, it seems that they were concerned about losing Trubisky at two, and the 49ers had that pick. And there was a lot of conversation that week that the 49ers were super interested in Trubisky and were very much leaning towards him at number two. Um, and so clearly, that's who the Bears wanted. But they they definitely mm-hmm. bought into that concern because it was the 49ers who had the number two pick, and that was the only thing standing between them and Mitch Trubisky. Mitchell, I'm sorry, I think he's Mitchell now, and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, he he goes. I, I heard a podcast. He was talking. He he doesn't he doesn't care. It's Mitch or it's Mitchell or whatever. He he goes by by either. MT, MT. There you go. Why not? <laughs> but that so that's why I do think I I think they may have been. I don't know if they were fleeced by the Fort Honors, by the rumors, by the entire NFL. But in theory, the only thing standing in their minds, the only thing standing between them and Mitchell Trubisky and keeping the number three pick was the Forty Niners. Um, right. So yeah. looking at the rest of your draft class, what, 10, 10 players uh, this yeah. season? 
Any other favorites that you have? Any other, uh, you know, jewels, diamonds in the rough, if you will? Um, I think Joe Williams is going to prove to be um, a pretty solid running back. I don't necessarily, I, I wrote about this for Niners Nation last week, I don't necessarily think that he's, like, stealing the job from Carlos Hyde right now. I think they're going to be a good one-two punch. But um, I think he's got real potential. I think George Kittle is going to be a surprise. And I also think, talk about everybody laughing and maybe the quarterback of the future, I would not be surprised if C.J. Beathard ends up being an actually solid quarterback for the 49ers. It's not going to be this year or next, but I think that he actually does have a future on this team, and I think that's going to be a real diamond in the rough. Because when we heard Kyle Shanahan talk about it after the pick, like he wanted this guy. And he knew he was looking for very specific things, and that is what C.J. Beathard have, and he went for it. So um, I think, right, those three could end up being some real diamonds in the rough. Interesting. Um, <laughs> my pick would definitely be Reuben Foster. He okay. is going to be fantastic. I think he's exactly what the 49ers needed on offense, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what he's going to do in the defensive scheme. I, it's just, it's going to, it's definitely a game changer. I don't disagree with that. I think Ruben Foster is going to be great. All right. <laughs> so moving on from the, uh, from the draft, it's a nightmare that we bear fans all want to forget mostly because, <laughs> well, I mean, all of their moves were redundant. We went out and signed Mike Glennon to be our starting quarterback. Then we drafted his replacement we signed a brand new tight end, then we drafted one in the second round. It's like we were just we were doubling down on everything we did when we were when Ryan Pace said in his end of the year press conference, you know, the number one uh, priority was defensive impact players, and there were several to be had at the spot, and we didn't take any. So we made one defensive <laughs> we made one defensive draft choice, one defensive draft choice, and we got him. We got him about 110 <laughs> spots later than I wanted us to. So, you know, that's uh, that's how that went down. So, anyway, let's take a look at your schedule here real quick. And um, you, let's see, you have the NFC East and the AFC South uh, this year. So, interesting interesting there with the, with the NFC East, of course. Uh, the AFC South, that's an interesting division. Um, you know, we got to see him up close and personal. Uh, last year, a lot of progress being made uh, in that division. First four games for you guys, home for Carolina at Seattle, home for the Rams at Arizona. So three division games in the first four weeks. You know, what's um, how you guys and, and including that Thursday night game is, is or excuse me, that Rams game is a Thursday nighter. That's your one and only national TV game for the for Thank the entire God. season. <laughs> Um, you know, you get that thing out of there early and, um, but you got three division games in the first four. So, I mean, you guys are going to be tested early, uh, with the, with three division opponents right out of the gate. There, there's, um, they, I think, I think at the end of that, honestly, they could be anywhere from two and two and oh, and four. Right. But I think, um, what I, it's kind of going back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. I think they'll be in the games more than they were in the past. Um, I think they can. I, I mean, clearly the Rams. I think they can beat the Rams. 
um, because that seems to be the last ship is all they could be. And I, right. I, I mean, the Rams are going to be interesting too because they have an interesting new young head coach and a new vision, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I the 49ers seems to always kind of have the Rams number. Um, so I could see them beating the Rams. They actually think they could beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals are not who they were right. a couple of years ago. So I think that's a potential, you know, I think it's a potential win. I think Carolina is going to be much better this season than they were last season. But the 49ers week one at home do tend to surprise people. But I would say they're most likely going to be, I, I, I could see them being two and two at the end of those four games. Really? I think they can beat Arizona and the Rams. Now, granted, this may be my naivete optimism. Um, But the Rams will play the Rams at home. So I think that will help. But it depends. You know, here's what will be interesting to see with this team. They start the season 0-2, which is a strong possibility. Lose to Carolina at home. Lose to Seattle on the road. On the road. What does that do to morale? And I think that will see how – because they'll have – played Seattle at Sunday on the road. It's not a long flight. It's not a time change, but then they'll turn around and play a division game Thursday night at home. It will be an interesting test for Kyle Shanahan and the team and to see how this group bounces back. You're going to have a lot of super young guys on this team. It'll be very, very interesting. I think if they if they go 0-2 and they come back and beat the Rams, it will show a lot about the new regime and the mental toughness of the team and kind of the emotional maturity of it. And then they have 10 days to get ready for the for the uh for the Cardinals. Whether I mean home game or road game when you got 10 days to get ready, you're in pretty good shape. So What was interesting to me was looking at the second quarter uh, of the schedule um at Indianapolis, at Washington, home for Dallas, at Philadelphia. That's three cross country trips in it's 4 weeks. Uh, you know, for that second half. I mean, talk about talk about where the the schedule can go sideways on you. You got three straight road games: Arizona, Indianapolis, Washington. Then you're going home for the Cowboys, and then on the road across country again to play what for you West Coasters would be a 10 a.m. game at Philadelphia. So I mean, talk about a brutal portion of the schedule: three cross country trips in four weeks, and then home for the Cowboys. I mean, the the NFL is doing you no favors there. No, it's going to be no. rough. That's going to be a rough month. <laughs> it's a, a very, very, very rough month. And I, I mean, it's a, a very potentially 0-4 month. Um, but I don't – that's why I say if they win five or six games, I'd be really happy. Cause I, but I think they'll be in games. That's the difference. That's basically what I – after two years of being super optimistic and naive and being like, 8-8, eight eight, they're going to be 8-8. Eight I am now, I, Sorry. I'm now feeling like they're going to be in games, and I think that's an improvement. If they are in football games, I'm going to consider that. And past the second quarter, I'm going to consider that a massive I improvement. Even, I didn't care if they're in the games. Like, I want them to be competitive in some sort. Like, if it's on defense and they could be that defensive team, like – I'm over winning at this point. Like, I feel awful saying this, but I think they could probably pull off the Rams. I think they could possibly pull off the Eagles. Um, But other than that, like, I'm not, I'm not hopeful. Um, And I hate being that way, but I'm hoping for five games. 
and I'm proud. If they go five games, Tracy said it best when she said that we're just sort of trying to get them to be competitive and get into the games. And I think for a long time, 49ers fans have missed that in their team. So let's let's just hope. Let's just hope that they can find something to make it competitive. All right. So third quarter of the schedule, you have your bye week finally in the middle there. Week 11, a late bye week uh, for you guys. But you start week nine, home for Arizona. You finish off the series there. Then home for San Francisco, or excuse me, for the Giants, that your first back-to-back home games in the entire schedule. You go on the bye week, then you're home for Seattle. So three straight home games. You guys basically don't leave California for the month of November. So that and that's literal. November fifth, the twelfth, the bye week, and then San, uh, Sunday, the November twenty-sixth. You got Seattle, New York, and Arizona in that three or in that four-week period plus the bye, and then to finish off the fourth quarter. And this was what I found interesting. For the third year in a row, you're coming to Chicago in December, quite literally on the same day for the third year in a row. It's week 13. The first time it was December 5th. Last year it was December 4th. This year, December 3rd. So something going on there. Not only do the 49ers have to keep traveling to Chicago, but they have to keep doing it in December. So um, I think the NFL is out to get you guys. And I think the Bears in December would way rather travel to California. Hey, it's bear weather. We can handle it. Last last year it's kind of ugly for the for, you know. Oh, last year was oh, last year was a disaster. That was that was a mess. Yeah. Um, it is. It is. It'll, but also, it'll be kind of an interesting time for the 49ers because I feel like that's the part of the year. Granted, it's late in the year and they're tired and banged up. However, this unit will have played together for a while under their new coach for a while, with their new scheme for a while. And we actually may see the 49ers a little bit hit their stride at that point. be interesting to see. And I think I think that I think a lot of teams underestimate the whole California thing. I mean, a lot of these players are coming from elsewhere. And while um, a lot of people dismiss the 49ers in a lot of aspects, they went to Green Bay and they handled it. So I think that it's all about mental, you know, capacity, willing to do what's needed. And this is all about players and what they're willing to go through. And I think that's a lot of what the 49ers are trying to do at this juncture is form a team that's willing to go out there and play regardless of the circumstances and handle it. And then finally, you guys finish off the fourth and final quarter of the schedule. You're at Houston. Basically, you play the AFC South and the Rams because you got you're at Houston, home for Tennessee, home for Jacksonville, and then you finish it off at at Los Angeles uh, against the Rams on uh, on New Year's Eve. So quite a way. I mean, those could be some meaningful games, especially for those AFC South teams because that division seems to come down to the wire. Every single year, Tennessee was only a game away from the division last year. Jacksonville should be a team that's finally making a step. And Houston, if things have, have gone to plan, we're basically, you know, probably playing for a bye week at that point uh, in the year. So, you know, you're playing the AFC South at a time when most likely those teams are going to be playing some meaningful football towards the end of the season. Of course. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> interesting. I don't I don't, it'll be, and I think uh, yeah. for the 49ers, those, those games will mean something because 
I, they're not going to mean anything in terms of, of playoff contention, but I think they'll mean something for like kind of what I said before, how this team is coming together as a unit. So, and you know, there's nothing when you're a team who's, you know, going to go five and 11 or four and 12 or whatever, there's nothing that you probably want more than to upset the first round by chances of the right. Houston Texans or for, you know, you to feel because you kind of, then it kind of feels like you matter. Sure. Like you made a mark on the season. Um, so I think, there's something to be said for that and, and how the 49ers will play accordingly. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying at the end of the year last year. The Bears played the Packers week 15, and the Packers were on that, 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 that run where Aaron Rodgers says, we can run the table when they were 4-6. and six. They run the table, right. they're 10-6, and six, yeah. they're going to the playoffs, so on and so forth. The Bears were down like 27-7 to seven and came back to tie the game uh, in the I fourth remember. quarter, yeah. and they blew it. They absolutely blew it. They did not play to win. They played not they played not to lose and they ended up right. losing. So I mean, yes. if we beat Green Bay, they lose that one game, they are out of the playoffs. They don't make that historic run. Everybody can stop stroking Aaron Rodgers for an off season and everything in everything in Bearland is happy because we ruined Green Bay's chances of making the playoffs, but instead we go ahead and we inexplicably, you know, uh, leave. Uh, it just, it just, it's. <laughs> you seem stressed. A little bit. Yeah, don't be stressed. Yeah. Because I can still see it. I, mean, I can still see it. Wide open down the middle of the field. It just, son of a bitch. Um, yeah, that one's still, I just like, Jesus Christ. It's like we didn't think about covering that guy, you know. You need to move on. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? It's a good thing. It's a good thing I didn't have you guys on the show last year because that <laughs> that 49er game in 2015, oh, I, I wanted that I one back so it. bad. I wanted that one. I'm not talking about it. The one in 2015, not last year, yes, the year before. No, 15, I was there. You were there. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. You know, Blaine, Gla- Blaine Gabbert, just a random 44-yard yes. touchdown run in the middle. And nobody thought to talk, you know, cover the quarterback. That's no problem. You know, and it's just – I talked about it for a full, a full calendar year. I talked about that game because there were like six mistakes that the Bears made if they didn't make one, just one of those mistakes. We win the game in regulation and there's no problem and the 49ers don't embarrass us in overtime. But instead – we made every single possible mistake we could make, and the 49ers go ahead. You know, I give you guys all the credit in the world for winning it in overtime, but it should have never happened. I wanted that game back bad, yeah. okay. and we got it back oh, in, okay. in December. Sorry. So that was – I'm going to calm down now. So I think it's time yeah. to move forward. Plus, yes. again, it's May. OTA started today. Just enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's a brand-new season. Everybody's 0-0. Zero zero. It's optimism and mm-hmm. – so on and so forth. So, exactly. Hope springs yeah. eternal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, April showers and whatnot. So, all right. So let's go ahead and, and, and wrap this up. Um, where can we find you guys online? Where can we find your show? Uh, we, you can find our podcast at fangirlsportsnetwork.com. Uh, we are on SoundCloud as well and on iTunes. Okay. And you can follow me at 49ers Fangirl. Um, and then make sure to go to Fangirl Sports Network and uh, follow all of our current fangirls. Yeah. 
I'm I'm so Kelly Steph on a personal note S O C A L I S T E P H and I'm also the Warriors fan girl for Fan Girl Sports Network. So you know you have a lot. There. And you can find her there at Warriors F G S N. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Tracy, Steph, thanks so much uh, for spending the time and, and talking about the uh, 49ers. Sorry, I got a little emotional there uh, at the end talking about the <laughs> okay. talking about the game. It's uh, you know, it's just uh, okay. yeah, that one still we sucks. Like but yes, yes, of course. And of course, I would love to have you guys back on uh, to preview the game week 13. Sounds good. All right. So we'll talk to you then. Thanks so much, Steph and Tracy from the Fangirl Sports Network. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having us. All right. Yes. Go Niners. Go Niners. So once again, we want to thank Tracy Sandler, Steph McCarroll from Talking Touchdowns Podcast on the Fangirl Sports Network. And uh, you can find them at... uh, at 49ers Fangirl on Twitter, and Steph is SoCaliSteph uh, on Twitter as well. So hit them up, say hello, uh, listen to their podcast. You want to learn a little something extra about the 49ers, and uh, we hope to have them both back. Week 13 preview episode as uh, for the third year in a row, the Bears and the 49ers play the first Sunday uh, in December. So kind of a, kind of a strange uh, way that it all fell. And, and of course, we do get to play the 49ers again in 2018, but it won't be a same-place opponent deal. It will basically be because the NFC North and the NFC West play each other again uh, next season. So uh, very possible we could be having Steph and Tracy back on the show in 2018 to see how our two teams fared after the quote-unquote trade uh, on draft day. So, And we'll also see what the uh, 49ers did with, with our third-round pick uh, next season. So anyway, uh, enjoyed, uh, talking with them. Uh, hopefully I was able to clean up some of the, uh, some of the internet mess, uh, you know, some of the crackling and whatnot, but, uh, nonetheless, um, you know, it was a good conversation. Love to have them back, uh, in December, looking forward to that and to playing the 49ers, uh, in Chicago, uh, in December, uh, once again. So, that is going to do it for part one of our Same Place Opponent previews. Come on back next week when we will have Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation from SB Nation to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and what an up-and-down year they had. That fast start that they had beating the Bears on Monday Night Football. Carson Wentz looking like an out-and-out stud to, beginning, to begin the season, and then they kind of falter uh, as they go through the course of the year injuries poor play that kind of thing catches up with them they make some big moves in the offseason they sign away our best receiver they get themselves they got some weapons for Carson Wentz and they made some smart draft choices as well we'll talk to all of that with Brandon next week when we come back for part two of our same place opponent preview wrap that up and then get ready for the AFC North first time we're having these guys uh, on the show as well. So hit me up on Twitter at Shy Bears Review or visit the Facebook page to search Chicago Bears Review and leave comments, questions, whatever you want for our upcoming guests, ideas that you might have uh, going forward. So until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Hey man, hey.
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.